0: Welcome to Engage Boise. We hope that you enjoy this live recording of our Sunday service. What a beautiful morning. All the mornings at church are beautiful, but this one particularly, what a great day. Uh, Hopefully the shock to your system of losing an hour of sleep is starting to wear off. We always say, you know, like the first 10 minutes of time change Sunday, spring forward, is always one of the sleepiest ones. But you showed up, man. It's been awesome to have you here uh great day to be alive time change or no time change uh got all sorts of things to let you know about this is kind of leading into the message i want to talk to you a minute for a minute about easter and how it's going to look uh here at our church here in several weeks uh if you didn't realize it uh easter is only five sundays away uh five sundays counting today so easter is coming uh and what we celebrate on Easter is the reason we gather here every, every week, right? That he is risen. He's not in the grave. We sang this song last week, uh, Living Hope. Uh, and that's the reason we celebrate Easter, because we have a hope and it is alive. Uh, he's risen. He's not in the grave. And the goal of any Bible-believing church uh, is for as many people to hear the gospel as possible, right? That's what we want. We want people to come to this place, hear the gospel, if you're like... What's the gospel? Well, you're going to hear it today. Um, We want anyone who walks through these doors on a Sunday morning to hear the good news that Jesus saves. And Easter is one of the best weekends of the year to do that. Uh, There's a a lot of people, they come to church only on Christmas and Easter, right? Uh, If you remember last year, some of you were here. We had about as many people here for church uh, as we could fit in one service. Uh, And there's people who have been coming to church since then. They came on that day. They found out about the church, and uh, they've been coming since then. Uh, I don't want to go into the actual numbers because it's a successful church, not based only on numbers, but if it's getting full, you got to pay attention so that there's room for whoever uh, God brings. So for that reason, uh, pay super close attention. We're going to do two services on Easter Sunday, April 9th. So only for that Sunday, so this is not a uh, permanent change going forward, but only for that Sunday, Two services will be at 9 and 11 a.m. I think you see it up there, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. So we will not do Sunday school that day uh, because there will be a service going on. Both services, we're planning to be the same. So there will be an Easter egg hunt. After both services, the whole goal is that if someone comes to church on Easter, and it's one of the two times they come of the whole year, Christmas and Easter, uh, that they bring their kids, they go to kids' church to hear about Jesus before they do the Easter egg hunt. Uh, that the parents come to church and they hear about Jesus before their kids do the Easter egg hunt. Um, we're guessing it will be a little smaller first service, but that's okay. I uh, remember the goal is to reach as many people with the gospel as possible on this day. And we had as many as we could fit on Easter last year. Have more people coming now, so just makes sense. If we're able to reach 20, 30, 40 more people than we did last year with the gospel, then that's a win. Uh, you might be thinking of the breakfast we traditionally do on Easter morning during Sunday school hour. Don't want to completely get rid of that, so we're going to scoot it back. So Palm Sunday, the week before, April 2nd, uh, we will do our breakfast on that day. So during Sunday school, April 2nd, we'll have a breakfast for any of you that want to come during Sunday school hour. Be back there. It's finger foods, nothing fancy, but uh, it's just a time to get together, celebrate what the Lord is doing, celebrate that uh, he is coming. Um, So we encourage you to be a part of it. Breakfast during Sunday school, April 2nd, and then two services on Easter Sunday, so then by God's grace, back to the normal plan on April 16th so here is what we need from you a few different things. Uh, make sure you help us spread the word okay what you'll see that graphic that you, that was just up there you'll see it come up uh, on, a, on a Facebook event, you'll see it on Instagram and all that stuff so share that if that's your kind of if that's your thing if you're a, a phone or an internet person, a social media person, please share that. All over the place. Uh, you'll see little invite cards come to hand out soon. So take some of those. Give them to your neighbor, neighbors. Give them to your family. Leave it at the restaurant table. Uh, if a lot of people come to church on Easter, and we want them to come here if they're going to come somewhere. Um, also, uh, if you are willing to volunteer to help us just for Easter Sunday, we could really use anyone who has the space. So if a few of you are able to maybe attend first service, then vol- volunteer to help in a kids' class second service or vice versa help in first service come to second service Um, everyone that gets involved will help the morning be a little better we could use your help with kids classes we could use your help with greeting we could use your help with ushering we could use your help wrangling the kids as they do the easter egg hunt uh our hope and our promise to you as best we can is we'll make sure each kid gets a lot of easter eggs because you don't want to come and not get eggs that would be a letdown so uh that is the plan to do that. Um, Pastor Wendy is back there. We raise your hand, Pastor Wendy. If you can help us on that day, just for one service, uh, please go see her. Or if you're like, I would like to help, but I don't know how, go find her and she will help you understand the way that it's going to work. We'll definitely need a few extra volunteers to pull it off, but it's going to be a good day. Um, been talking to the staff and the board about it. It's going to be great. Uh, there's a sign up sheet in the lobby if you don't end up finding uh, Pastor Wendy. Uh, We promise if you volunteer on that day, you might be thinking, oh, I'm going to help with kids on the day and I'm never going to get away. No, we will not continue roping you in unless you want to be roped in. Uh, We will just ask you to help on that day and minister to as many kids as possible. Um, If you have any questions, please come find me uh, or ask one of our staff members. We're glad to help talk you through uh, what we're doing that day. Uh, One change you will notice going forward. Uh, not today, although looking uh, who's here today, we pr- maybe should have done it. So we're going to create some additional parking out here in the parking lot. Oh, uh, over here on the grass on what is the west side of our parking lot. So the reason is a lot of times just on a regular Sunday like today, our parking lot's pretty full. I imagine if you went out there right now, there would be three or four spaces tops. Um, so we talked it over with the board, talked it over with the staff. And we believe if we park some cars along the grass over there, uh, we can fit 10 to 12 extra cars. Uh, and you're going to start seeing, uh, we'll have it marked out, uh, whatever is the best way to mark it out. You're going to start seeing staff, volunteer vehicles parked out there, so they'll lead the way, hopefully starting next week. Uh, like I said, we'll do our best to have it nice and marked out for you. We only would ask, if you were going to park on the grass, that you would be kind. So if you drive a giant truck and it's going to stick out on the pavement, please do not park there. <laughs> uh, if you park there, do not stomp on the gas and make a rut in the grass. Hopefully you got that out of your system when you were a teenager, okay? (laughs) The idea is just to make room for anyone who wants to come here on a Sunday. And uh, believe it or not, people do. For the first time at a church, they drive in. The parking lot's too full. uh, They will drive out. And uh, we want to make sure that there are parking spots for them. So if you can help us with that, if you feel like you can park on the grass responsibly and be a kind human being. If you're a bad driver, just don't. Just park, park in one of the regular spots. That's fine. Um. Uh, But we are going to start doing that, and uh, if we can create 10 to 12 spots over there, that's going to create all the room uh, as far as the amount of people we could handle in one service anyway. So that is the plan, and, uh, you know, know, what do they say? If you don't plan, you plan to fail. So we'll make a plan and see how it goes. Um, And that is how it's going to look over the next little while. It's exciting because the Lord is bringing people. Thank you for inviting people. Thank you for listening to the voice of God and coming to church. So. There we go. That's the, uh, the, uh, uh, the business stuff to get out of the way. This morning, uh, we're continuing to talk about this theme that's been overarching these past few weeks, kind of at the beginning of this year, and that is this idea that if we love the family, then we can change the world. I believe that with all our hearts. If we love the family, we can change the world. If you're new, we want you to know uh, that we love your family just as it is. If it's the Brady Bunch... And we love it just as it is. If your family is just you, we love you. If you don't have much family around, we all keep saying this, and I want you to believe it. If you don't have a family at home, you have one here. You have to go check out the podcast or the video from two weeks ago where we talked about uh, why we believe so strongly in this. But we're commanded in the New Testament that church should be like family. And we're going to celebrate as a family here at the end of service by baptizing two kids in water. one of the things we talked about is that our uh, families celebrate together. Last week, we talked about how exactly we go about doing it. How do we go about loving the family? And we do so by embracing Jesus. Again, you'll have to check the recording because we're short on time and we're going to baptize kids at the end. But just know that Jesus is asking each of us this question. He's asking us this question. He's asking, what do you want me to do for you? And our job is to be able to answer that question. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus is asking. This morning, we're talking about how we love the family and therefore change the world with how we worship. How we worship. That sounds a little ambitious, right? Saying that you can change the world just by how you worship. What we did, if you're unfamiliar with church earlier when we sang the songs, we called that praise and worship. The first thing we have to acknowledge this morning before we focus on how we worship in this place is that everyone worships something. The question is not if we worship something. The question is what or who do we worship. Now, if you're here and you're saying, I don't worship uh, something, what you probably worship is being in a contrarian, and uh, that's the way it is. (laughs) Now, we don't just see this concept in church. Everyone worships something. We don't just see it in church. It manifests itself in how we spend our days in our weeks and our months, shows itself in what it is that defines our seconds and our minutes and our hours. And today, we're going to talk specifically about worshiping God. There's certainly other things, though, that us humans are known to worship. And If we're not careful as humans, people on this earth, we can easily worship a material possession. We can worship something like a car. That's a pretty common one, right? We can worship something like a house. We can even worship something like an article of clothing. I don't really understand that, but some people do. Uh, You can worship, this is sometimes a temptation for me, you can worship a set of golf clubs. If you think you don't worship any of those things, I would encourage you to let kids come live in your house and then decide if you worship any of those things. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little example. I've told you I like to uh, play basketball. I've played since I was young. And uh, if you've played basketball before, you know once you get a ball a certain way, you kind of take care of it, right? You play with it, and it gets worn in. I had this one that I played with inside and outside for quite a while. And um, it's pretty well worn in. It's a little heavy uh, because it's been used for a long time. I affectionately call it the cannonball because if I, like, go to another gym that has fancy balls, mine feels a little heavy. But uh, my son, John, has gotten into trying to play basketball in the driveway. And this year, uh, my basketball that I just meticulously take care of, uh, you know, make sure. It's kind of hard to keep a ball round, right? So keep it round, keep it in good shape, keep the right air in it. Well, I keep this ball inside, and uh, I was gone. I don't know what I was doing. But uh, the first day that it snowed and then got frozen this year, so that was pretty early. It was in November. Uh, I came home uh, late at night, and it was snowing. And I was like, why is my basketball stuck in the net? <laughs> um, and it's John had been shooting with it before. I was like, why is my basketball stuck in then what had happened is, uh, and I was like, I'm going to get that down, right? So I tried to get it out of there. The problem is the net had frozen and the ball had frozen. So my basketball got to stay overnight uh, in the net. And when it warmed up in the morning, it fell out all by itself and was sitting in the gutter. If you don't think you worship any of these things, have some kids come live at your house and see what happens. <laughs> you know we can also worship a person this is really common it doesn't happen uh as much anymore because of social media i don't think but uh some of you might be old enough to remember when the beatles came to america right and there were masses of people literally worshiping them everywhere they went there's these famous videos of them in like i think shea stayed in new york it's just a madhouse of course we believe here that the family holds incredible value you won't hear me saying anything else. But sometimes we can even end up worshiping our family. Even good things we end up worshiping. It. There are many things in life that we value. Value is different than worshiping. I don't think there's anything wrong with valuing a material possession. I'm not saying you can't value any of your stuff. As long as we don't hold it too tightly. And I really think that it pleases God's heart when we live in a way that values our family. But I would submit to you today, this is the first thought I want you to have, the only one that we truly worship should be God. As we said before, everyone worships something. As believers, we come here each Sunday and Wednesday, and we've got this part of our service that we call worship. We sing songs about God, we sing them to God. If you didn't know, before this, I led worship uh, for almost 12 years full-time. And I want us to have this thought in our heart this morning, and that's this, that when we worship God, we align our hearts with his, we relinquish control, and we trust him with the outcome of our lives. Take a picture of that. Write it down. You see, worship, the kind that we hope to do when we come into this place, it's powerful because of those three things on the screen, because we align our hearts with the living God who created the world. It's powerful because we relinquish control of our life to him. It's powerful with him, Powerful because we trust God with the outcome of our lives. And when in our families, as moms and dads, as grandparents, we manage to align our hearts with God's, we manage to relinquish control, and we manage to trust him with the outcome, what that adds up to is a group of people that has the potential to change the world. This morning I had this one big thought to unpack about how we worship, and that's this, that we worship in spirit and in truth. Pastor, we did a great job leading us in that this morning. We worship in spirit and in truth. This is a very well-known scripture that we often cite, and we even pray it when it comes to worship. Uh, If you want to get ready, you can turn your Bibles to John chapter 4. as We're going to get ready to take a look at it. This phrase is something you may have heard if you've been around church much uh, it's contained here in this encounter Jesus has with a Samaritan woman. The story is really long, and, and uh, we'll take some time and dive into the entire thing sometime. Uh, we're just going to read a tiny part of it. Before we read this short passage, I want to talk to you for a moment about what's going on. It will make a little more sense to you. Jesus is passing through this place called Samaria. And for a Jewish person, they generally dislike Samarians so much that they purposely avoided going into their territory. They're like, that's Samaritans, I will not go there. Even when it was a much shorter way to where they were going, it wasn't necessarily dangerous. They just disliked them so much they weren't going to go there. This would be like if you needed to go from here to Nampa and you disliked the city of Meridian so much, you're like, I am not even going to pass through. Someone said, you go, you go north all the way to State Street, and you go all the way around, and you go into Nampa, right? You add an extra 45 minutes to your trip just because you can't stand the thought of driving through the city limits of Meridian. This is a similar thing. It's not that they didn't have reasons. Their dislike stemmed from this conflict clear back in 1 Kings when the 12 tribes became divided. Before Jesus came, and this is a key thought, someone could not worship God at any time and any place they wanted It had to happen in Jerusalem. You had to go make sacrifices. And the Samaritans, they got tired of doing that. And so they began to worship idols in their own land instead of traveling to Jerusalem. And eventually, the Samaritans, they decided that they were only going to honor the Pentateuch. Now, the Pentateuch is the first five books of the Old Testament. So the Samaritans decided they were not even going to acknowledge the rest of it. And they even complained they had the only original copy, which, you know, It doesn't really matter, but, man, it really made the, the Jews angry. And that's just scratching the surface of why they disliked each other. But Jesus was Jewish. And it wasn't necessarily that he wanted to take a shorter journey, but he had an appointment with this Samaritan woman, and he wanted to tell her about the good news of the living water, the living water that had come says a little later on that after this, she goes on about the countryside talking about Jesus, saying to others, he told me everything I ever did. But besides breaking with tradition and talking with this woman that others thought he should hate, he also breaks new ground when it comes to worship. And Jesus, he has this powerful exchange uh, in John 4, 419-24 4, with this woman With this woman that he was never supposed to be talking to in the first place. Follow along with me if you want. So I'm reading actually to you the NLT, New Living Translation, this morning. John 4, 19 through 24 says this. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman. The time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. while well, we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes to the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit. In truth. Within Jesus' words to this woman, we hear that powerful phrase. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. First off, we must recognize the walls that Jesus is tearing down here. He's telling us that because he has come, worship is no longer bound to a specific building or place. This would have been completely mind-blowing to these people. And it's the reason we can come here and do what we do because Jesus came and we don't have to go to a specific place to worship. God's presence can be anywhere we call on him. But what about this phrase that Jesus mentions? He mentions it two times there in just uh, a couple lines, in spirit and in truth. They're mentioned together so it's pretty evident that you can't have one without the other, two sides of the same coin, so to speak. So what does it mean first to worship in spirit? When it comes to a gathering uh, like this, when we come together and we sing songs, to worship in spirit, means to engage our whole heart and surrender to God in you. And when we decide to surrender, like we talked about a moment ago, when we decide to surrender, when we are wi- willingly giving control over to somebody else. That's why when you see us in a church, Like this, you take this posture of lifting our hands, right? We are, in a sense, saying, okay, God, wherever you want to go, the universal sign of surrender is lifting our hands. But we sometimes do this funny thing as humans. It's actually the same thing that the Samaritan woman was doing with Jesus. See, the only reason she even brought this part up about worship is because she was trying to change the subject. If you go read the part before it, she was trying to change the subject. You see, she was uncomfortable because Jesus had walked up to her at the well where she was getting water, and Jesus had confronted her about her sin. What Jesus had said is, hey, why don't you go get your husband to help us draw some water? And she says, I have no husband. Now, you can lie to some people, but you can't lie to Jesus, right? And Jesus replies in John 4 17 through 18. You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. Jews want to change the subject because it got uncomfortable real quick. But often we, including myself in the equation, we do the same thing when we come into a service like this. Because God's instruction to us is that we worship in spirit. But I will tell you that when we truly begin to worship in spirit, what God does many times is he starts to bring conviction to our hearts. He begins to convict us of sin. It's a chance for us to repent. When we worship in spirit, truly we are laid bare before God. And when we are laid before God, when his spirit is here, at that point we have a choice. We can either allow God to continue to speak or we can change the subject. God can be speaking, and we could just, man, Lord, you know, I really don't like this song. I know your spirit is here, but I don't like this one. It's too old or too new or too loud or too soft. I, just, I don't like this one. Lord, I know, like, I'm supposed to, you know, be speaking with you, but I came here. These lights, they're, like, too bright. These lights are too dim. These lights are the wrong color, the blue and the green. They just don't go together. I'm just really struggling, Lord. Lord, I, I want to worship you. I, I really want to listen to you. But it's, it's like two degrees too warm in here. I think they got it 71, and I think it really needs to be 69. It's not that those things that we talked about don't matter. They do. Uh, the Bible tells us, Psalm 33, 3, sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. And as a, as a former worship leader, someone who plays guitar, I love that. Sing to him a new song, play skillfully, shout for joy. Sing new songs, do it well, and play it loud. That's awesome. A big fan. But here's the thing. Whether we are worshiping in spirit is seen in our reaction when worship looks different than we expect. Yeah, well, if we're worshiping in spirit, it really doesn't matter how it looks. You see, when God begins to convict us, the temptation for us is to change the subject, place the focus on something else, the song or the lights or the temperature or whatever. But when we engage our whole heart and we truly surrender to God, that's when we begin to experience him, just like we did this morning. And that is when God does this amazing thing and he moves us to an emotional response. He moves us to do this thing. Maybe you come, you've never heard the songs, but you come and the words are on the screen and you join with others and you do what the word says. You sing a new song. Moves us to maybe uh, go to our knees or to bow in his presence. And just as it has happened with you, maybe uh, worshiping songs moved me to tears more than one time in my life. You've heard me say before uh, that our emotions don't get to be in charge of our hearts and our lives. But also God gave us our emotions and he can use them to speak to us. I believe he does use them to speak to us. We've been talking about how Abram stopped in Genesis. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. And he built an altar so he would remember what God had done or what God had spoken. At the time, he was wandering around the countryside waiting for God to start fulfilling this promise. But so when God would speak, Abram would stop and he would build an altar. And that's what's happening inside of us when we sing a specific song and we're worshiping in spirit and it evokes this emotional response. This specific response happens inside of us. I was talking to uh, Ron on um, Wednesday. There's this song. Uh, we don't sing it on Sundays here uh, very often. Um, thankfully for me because it would be embarrassing. This song is called Through It All. As the chorus of the old it as well, um, and I was talking to Ron on Wednesday. Night, there's something about that song. It doesn't matter if it's the recording. It doesn't matter if it's just a rain. The person singing it. I, I can't hear that song without um, just. And I can't even think about the song, obviously, without there being an emotional response inside of me. And the reason is because uh, it's an altar in my life. I remember the things specifically that were happening uh, when that song. Uh, was a part of what we were doing at our last church. When we were singing it on Wednesdays, I think I don't I don't remember if it was a Wednesday or a Sunday, but I just remember the things that were going on uh, in our lives and I remember just how much that song meant to me. So even no matter when I hear it, if I hear it in the radio, by myself in the car, it invokes a response within me. It's an altar in my life. And there's just something that happens when we decide to come to church and we set aside our agenda. And we worship together as the people of God regardless right? of how they look, of what they think, or politically what they might believe, or whether the song is one we like, or whatever. We worship together as the people of God, and then we allow God to speak what he wants to speak. It's a wonderful thing. When we come together as God's people, um, he can speak mightily and doesn't have to speak the same thing to me as he does to you. But the question is, how does worshiping in spirit change the world? Well, the, here's the thing. We can never predict what God is going to do when we come together. We skillfully make a joyful noise. We let him do what he will, but we can never predict what God is going to do. I'll tell you what. I've been a part of, I don't know, hundreds, thousands of worship services probably over the years, being in church since I was a little kid. And there's been a lot of times when I was, everything is lined up, and I was like, oh, man, this is going to be a good one. And God is always there. When you ask him to come, He comes. But, you know, I expect special things out of one, and it's fine, but it's not what I thought. There's times when I've gone into it, and I'm like, man, we barely got here by the skin of our teeth. I hope nothing goes up in flames. I feel awful, right? I just got to get through this. And, man, the Lord shows up and moves mightily. You can never predict what God's going to do. Every worship service is not the same, but I believe God is honored. Every time we come together and we worship with a surrendered heart, that's the key, the surrendered heart. But we have to understand, friends, God moving doesn't always look how we expect it to look. I've grown up in the assemblies of God, so church similar to this one. And uh, man, just some examples burned into my, my heart over the years. Like I said, I led worship for quite a while, full time, and I would go do these uh, retreats in the falls, a fall retreat for a Kai Alpha. And uh, the Chi Alpha in Pocatello is the fall retreat for all the Idaho schools and uh, Utah came, the, the schools in Utah. And uh, if, I mean, if you think about it and if you, if you know the way it works in Idaho and Utah, there are a lot of LDS people in Pocatello and in Utah, right? So these, uh, these schools have these Chi Alpha groups and what happens is... Um, the, the freshmen, they come to school, and they're looking for, you know, nice, normal people to plug in with, and they meet the Kai folks, and they start going to a small group, and they've been going to church as far as they know it, and they start coming to this thing, and it's different. But they haven't quite figured out why, and, you know, they've been at school for maybe a month or two, and then they end up going to this fall retreat, and I, I remember talking to uh, the people who were running it, and they would say, so just so you know, they're like, sing whatever songs you want to sing. But just so you know, a lot of these kids that are coming are LDS. And this is going to be the first time they've ever been a part of a service like this. Because when they come to school, they eat together, they hang out together, they do a small group. Maybe they sing a song or two. And I would, like, send them the songs early so they could play them in the background, like the recordings of them, you know. And we would go and we would lead worship at these things, uh, these choir for retreats. For a while, it was in Sun Valley. Um. For a while, it was kind of down by Park City. Uh, We would take take a sound system and we'd set it up. And sometimes I had a whole band. Sometimes it was like me and one other guy. But it was incredible because we'd go up there to lead worship and there's all these LDS kids. If you're LDS, man, I hang out with LDS people all the time. Love to talk to you. Nothing against you. But we would go and I would sing these songs. And I'll tell you what. Um, when there's 100 people in there and 50% of them are LDS and they've never been in a service like that, I'll just tell you the vibe is different than it is in a place like this. But this crazy thing begins to happen because we're singing these songs and I don't even remember any specific examples, but we're singing these songs and you see multiple kids, like I saw some of you today just in their seat with their head in their hands. Like they don't know how to respond to what God is doing. They're trying to figure out what it is they're feeling, like what these songs are all about, uh, trying to process what's happening inside of them. And God is moving, and he's doing what he's going to do, but it doesn't look anything like lifted hands and loud singing. There's a few of them that get it, but a lot of them, it's their first experience with anything like that. God moving doesn't always look how we expect it. I also went and uh, I played... Bass in this uh, band for a little while, and uh, we flew to this thing in Memphis. All we knew it was, a, was a youth retreat. And uh, it, I think it was a Methodist church. And if you're familiar with Methodist church, they don't raise their hands much. So we didn't know what to expect. But packed, just like a couple hundred kids in a room this size, maybe a little bigger. And uh, we're singing the songs, came from across the country. And I'll tell you what, I've never heard uh, a group of people sing louder than those 200 kids but not one raised hand from a kid. Not a single raised hand. They're standing there, some with eyes closed, just belting it out. One guy with his hand up in the middle, like a youth leader or something like that. He must have been to an AG church or something like that. God was moving. It didn't look like it looked here this morning. You see, what we must keep in mind is that when we come here and we worship in spirit, God can move however he sees fit. He can move in a raging storm. He can move in a still, small voice. And throughout his word, he's known to do both. It might look like a quiet spot in your chair. It might look like hands raised, but God moves however he wants when he moves in spirit. What about this other part, the and truth? Well, I believe that God begins to move most genuinely when we express our worship to him, and it's rooted in truth. One of the ways we make sure and do this is we worship God based on what we know of Him in Scripture. This book right here tells us all about who God is. We worship Him based on what's in here. Within these songs that we sing, it's really important that we, as Christians, we worship God based on what we know of Him in Scripture. Careful, it's important that we are careful to base it on that. There's some things that we sing that we find all over Scripture. Right, I think I have a few examples for you on the screen. You can write them down as you go through. This are just a few. Right, we sing about how God is our refuge, Psalm 61.3. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. We love to sing about how God loves us deeply. It's a beautiful song called How He Loves, right? Psalm 36.5. Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. We sing about how God is good. That's what we read in Scripture, Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Now, we love to sing about how God is with us in our hardest times. Isaiah 41, 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Just a few examples. Now, worshiping in truth, it doesn't mean that we refuse to allow any type of poetic language to move us. Because God gave people uh, gifts to write those songs and share them with the church. I wish I was one of those people. I'm not. complaining play them and sing them, but I have not been able to write them to this point. But God gave people gifts to write those songs and share them with the church. Great example is the well-known chorus of that song, Oceans. Many of you have probably heard it in this place, right? It says this on the chorus, for I will call upon your name. Keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace. For I am yours and you are mine. Man, I saw the, the girl that recorded that sing it live one time. Man, it was different when she was singing it, I'll tell you what. But but not because it was good, it's because it meant something to her. And that song, it's obviously rooted in the story of Jesus walking out to the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. And Peter, right, if only for a moment, he walks on the water towards his Savior. He keeps his eyes above the waves. You see, God gives people gifts to write these powerful songs. And therefore, it's our joy to share in those gifts and sing them together. Though we must make sure that what we are singing is true. John Piper has this wonderful quote that helps us put spirit and truth together. Don't hold it against them. I said this to the worship team. He's a Baptist. Don't hold it against them. They know lots of good stuff too. John Piper says this. Truth. Without emotion produces dead orthodoxy and a church full of artificial admirers. On the other hand, emotion without truth produces empty frenzy and cultivates shallow people who refuse the discipline of rigorous thought. But true worship comes from people who are deeply emotional and who love deep and sound doctrine. Strong affections for God rooted in truth are the bone and marrow of biblical worship. And he sums it up there. Let us not, friends, be artificial admirers or shallow people, but people who worship both in spirit and in truth. There's one extremely important thought we must keep in mind as we worship. Sometimes it has to do with the song, and sometimes it has to do with the condition of our heart. And that's this. We must make sure we are worshiping God for who he is and not just what he can do for us. And where this shows up is most often in our willingness to worship God when we sing songs here and how we live our life in the good, in the bad, and the in-between. The good, the bad, and the ugly, as they say. If we're only worshiping because we have a prayer that we want answered or because one has been answered, then our heart might need to focus a little more on the creator and a little less on the created. This is not to say that we don't recognize and thank God for what he has done, or what he is doing, or not that we even ask for his provision. Those are great things, but we have to remember our hearts need to be in the place where we are worshiping because he has done it and not because of how we benefit. We're worshiping him because of what he has done, because every good and perfect gift comes from him. It's a really small distinction in words, but it's a really massive one in our hearts. You see, when we come to worship together at church and we do it in spirit and truth, then we do what we talked about at the beginning. We align our hearts with God's. We relinquish control and we trust him with the outcome of our lives. When we do that personally, the presence of God, it begins to go with us. It begins to infiltrate our homes. However, it doesn't just affect our homes because when we worship in spirit and truth our world changes because our heart changes. Remember, we said uh, last week that the world—we can change the world only because Jesus changes us. And when we come to this place and we worship together, when we drive along the road and you've got the worship music cranked in your car, whatever you like, when everything seems like it's going up in flames at work, the song on our lips is "Through It All." through it all my eyes are on you through it all through it all it is well man that's when your world begins to notice that you have something they don't have they don't have it because they don't know jesus when you can say that's the example for me it is well It opens the door for you to talk with them about how the God of the universe loves us deeply. If you're here today, you need to know that. The God of this universe, he loves you deeply. He sent his son for us and he has adopted us into his family. It opens the door for you to invite them to this place. And let me tell you, friends, when they come here and the presence of God is undeniable like it was as we were singing this morning and as it is in this moment and we worship with a surrendered heart in a way that's true and has no agenda, then what God does is a thing we can't do. He begins to redeem and renew hearts and minds. And that's how the way that we worship can change our world. This morning, we're going to get ready uh, to celebrate as a family two beautiful kids who know Jesus. And they want everybody to know about it. Like I said, if you're here this morning you want to be baptized, uh, I'm going to go get ready to change here in a minute. You can grab me on the way out. But I want you to know this morning that, like I said, the God of the universe is here. If you're here this morning and uh, God is moving, I encourage you. uh, I'm going to pray over you in a moment. I encourage you, just whisper a prayer to him this morning. Say, God, I surrender my life to you. Whatever it is you want to do. I pray you would do it. If you're here this morning you're wondering what following Jesus is all about, I have this book I'd love to give you. It's called Following Jesus. I'll warn you, there's a lot in here. But I'd love to give it to you, talk you through it. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? We're going to pray this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for uh, your people. Thank you uh, for who you are. Lord, we declare this morning that your name is greatly to be praised. Like those scriptures we read, uh, Lord, you are our refuge and our strong tower, our ever-present help in time of need. Mm. Lord, I pray that uh, you would be that for your people today. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to focus our hearts on you, and we will worship you because of how good you are. Yes, you answer our prayers, and yes, you give us provision. But even if we have none of that, Lord Jesus, we still have you. And we still have your grace and your mercy and we still have your forgiveness. Mm. And I just pray uh, that you would impress that upon us today. That as we uh, stand in a moment, that we would worship in spirit and we would worship uh, in truth. Mm. That it would fill this place. Lord, as we get ready to baptize some people in water, I pray uh, that you let your spirit and your truth be evidence in this place. Mm. Mm. Or would you let your salvation come to anyone who needs it this morning. pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit us at engageboise.com. Have an amazing day.